Welcome to ADHD Flourishing, about living awesomely with autism and ADHD. You deserve recognition for both the challenges and the superpowers of this unique neurotype. Let's celebrate wisdom and support from real-life stories, and talk strategies to manage the difficulties of day-to-day life, so we can move beyond that to thriving and building a sustainable and awesome life. If you want to be here, you are accepted here, and you belong. I'm your ADHD host, Mattia Murray. Let's do this. Welcome to my guest, Samantha Pollock. I am very excited to have her on. I shared uh, an article from her Substack on my blog the other day, which we will link to her Substack, obviously. Um, we're in a community together, and uh, the first thing I think I saw from you was that Substack, and I was just yeah. like, fist pumping and like cheering. I was like, oh my God, yes. This is, it's a about marketing. And in particular, I know a line that stuck out to me was about it being maybe impossible to ethically market at scale for in the coaching world, which is part of where you are uh, in mm-hmm. terms of helping people with marketing. And I wanted to have her on to talk about both the being, you know, the marketing as a business person, which obviously I do, but I also am really curious about this other side of sort of the the seedy underbelly of what she's seen in terms of, you know, <laughs> the the consumer side of things, because I I really, I experience it from both sides. And I, I mean, there's so much to say, there's so many rabbit holes we could go down. Um, is there anything else you want to add about how you're thinking about yourself in the world right now? I took a while to come to this, but I call myself a positioning strategist. So one of the things that I work on with my clients and I'm, I think, pretty good at is um, helping kind of orient your brand in the corner of the internet that you live in and develop a unique voice and personality that feels authentic to you as a person, but also doesn't feel like too exposed, um, which is another topic for another podcast maybe we could talk about um but that's that's one of my specialties and then also what i'm known for is voice is like getting the voice down really really well and then i am just very passionate and opinionated about current the current state of marketing online and how to swim in this pool without selling your soul essentially yeah so one thing you said right before we jumped on that i thought was a great phrase was this idea of making friends with marketing because something I I don't think I've explicitly said this on the podcast, but I know we have a lot of listeners who either are entrepreneurial or want to be at some point. And I just think it's really important to know that if you don't want to market, you cannot have a business. (laughs) You don't necessarily have to do everything yourself, but there's this element that you know, like you have to sell basically and marketing and selling are a little bit different but if you mm-hmm. aren't selling anything you don't have a business so again there are different ways of coming to it but it's certainly as a solopreneur if you're starting on your own if you're on a small budget etc and you know you probably will be the one doing the marketing so anyway right. that's kind of my perspective as a single person <laughs> business mm-hmm. owner um and i'd be very curious to hear your thoughts about that, what what you said about like making friends with marketing. Well, I would totally agree with that. And I would I would add too that many ADHD entrepreneurs, creative souls, 
sensitive people, there's a, there's a subset of us that have a certain sort of collection of personality traits and neurodiversity and everything that make entrepreneurship the ideal working situation for us. Even though it carries with it all the risks and there's no safety net in America and all the things, like it still is just kind of the only way, like it's the only way I can work essentially, which I also recognize as a privilege. So I, I agree with what you're saying that if you are really resistant to engaging in any marketing activities, it's going to be very hard for you to grow and sustain your business and also to, to call in the kinds of people that you actually want to work with because you have to go seek them out and talk to them. And you could certainly fill up a business with people that you don't like and you would probably have to do less intentional marketing, but you wouldn't enjoy your work very much. Um, and that can lead to like burnout, resentment, all those things. Um, I also think that the way we think about marketing is has this sort of vague connotation where when I hear clients of mine or other like creative entrepreneurs say like that they don't like marketing or that they don't want to do it, I just wonder what they mean specifically, because I'm thinking of like a service provider. That is a lot of my clientele. Like I'm a service provider, someone who does like ads or is a copywriter, designer, um, like a VA, even just anyone who is like, you know, their business model is based on a client hiring them to do something for them. A lot of those businesses will grow from referrals. So, and, and eventually, you know, a therapist, like eventually their entire way of getting clients is from referrals, but the marketing activity that they would have to engage in is befriending the people who would give them referrals. Like not everything is you dancing around and pointing at arrows on an Instagram reel. And I think a lot of us think of something like that, where it's like, ugh, I would never want to do that. That's so gross and weird. And it doesn't feel like me. And part of that is because that's what we're seeing online. That's what we're seeing a lot of the biggest marketing names that we know. That's what they're doing. Um, that's also what the algorithm is showing us. But marketing activities really encompass a lot of things. Like this right here is a marketing activity for me. I'm enjoying it and I'm glad that we're here talking. But I that's why I'm doing it. It's like I chose a marketing activity that works for me in a medium I feel comfortable in where I feel like I can be myself, even though sometimes I'm awkward, that's like all part of it. <laughs> um, I don't want to be a slave to an algorithm. So I don't choose to do marketing on a particular platform. So I think that we can take the like dun 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 out of the word and that helps kind of soften our relationship to it just like from the jump. But I think, yeah, the first thing that is probably the most important is that whatever resistance, a lot of it is imposter syndrome too, I would say, or, or the perceived imposter syndrome. Um, yeah. So I'll stop there for now. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. That's so, so it's useful to hear that said by an expert specifically, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because a lot of us, I feel like we land on some of the same ideas but mm -hmm. I can say for myself that even though I feel pretty solid in what works for me and what doesn't work for me, there's always still this little question in the back of my mind, like, am I doing it right? Am I actually making the right choices? So 
Um, well, actually, maybe one useful question to ask you would be how did you, with all the expertise you have, figure out what actually worked for you in terms of marketing? I tend to be a generalist. It's like in my personal life, I am always like real deep into some random hobby that is different than the random hobby that it was like three weeks ago. So I, and I will try, I like to try things. I'll try anything. Um, and that really applies to like all areas of my life. So with marketing activities, I have just like tried a lot of stuff. And that's how I found out which things I like and which things I don't. Or even, you know, there were things I really liked. Like for a year, I, I was like really dedicated to growing my Instagram following. So I was like posting all the time and, you know, engaging and leaving comments on other people's things and DMing people and making friends. And there were some things that I really liked about that. But when I looked at the results that I got from it, I did grow my following by probably like doubled it. But just for accuracy, I started at like 190 something and I now it's at like 500 something. Um, so that's not nothing, right? But did I get any clients from it? Honestly, I don't know. Maybe. But the way that you get clients from something like that is so indirect and like curvy that it's it's hard to track. Not that I'm like, so great at tracking this kind of data, but it was just a lot of time and creative output for me. The reason I liked it is because I was creating all the time. I loved making weird pictures in Canva and like putting my writing into an image. The medium of it felt fun to me, but to put so much creative energy into something that I, A, didn't own at the end of it because Mark Zuckerberg owns it, um, and B, wasn't really bringing me back any, you know, I made friends and I have connections and that's, that's definitely worth it. But you can still use Instagram for like a networking tool without constantly being on there posting and engaging and commenting. Plus the downside of it is like how gross and crappy the comments made me feel. Um, not just comments on my work, but just like being in this environment where like, that's how people are talking to each other. Um, so that's just an example of like something that I tried and like, there were some good things about it, some bad things about it. Um, I've also noticed that I've always really enjoyed this format here, just having conversations. But like, if I was doing this by myself on a video, I would not like it at all. And I would not do it. I didn't have to try that. I already know that. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, you know, what I really like is just like making friends, honestly. I mean, I feel like the most successful marketing strategies are the ones that you do over and over again. It's like working out, like the best exercise is the one that you'll do. And as long as you're consistent at it, it's just, it's not sexy. It's not like quick or that exciting. And it's also not new. It's like, whatever you do, you have to do it for a while for it to pay off and also for you to know if it's the right thing for you to do. And to continue that analogy as someone with a, a weird, uh, <laughs> shitty body, <laughs> um, <laughs> my, my main type of movement that I do besides being in physical therapy right now is, mm -hmm. is just walking. I love yeah. walking. It works. It does not injure my joints. Um, you know, I can wear my good, like supportive shoes and like, you know, not sprain my ankles and, uh, I, like that, I'm not sure what the sort of marketing equivalent of that would be, but that that there's, again, just kind of thinking a little bit more broadly that there are things we can do that are maybe not the most 
sexy or traditional or sort of whatever, you know, I'm not, I'm not prepping for a marathon, right? I'm mm-hmm. just walking, but it works for my body. And it's something I can do very consistently. And when I do it, I feel good. And that's yeah. like a thing. And then when I don't do it, you know, if I don't leave the house for a day or two, my body starts to go, Hey bud, you, you okay? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we okay. Anyway, um, I I'm not, I'm really not great with metaphors, but, um, <laughs> no, this is a good one. I'm into it. I'm into it. But like, there's, there's often something that's easier. That's more gentle. That's more aligned. Mm-hmm. That still technically is what we're talking about. So, you know, when I, when I say like, if you want to have a business, you have to be willing to sell or market in some form that can look like whatever the equivalent is, whatever of you walking want. is. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, I think what you're getting at, and it's like a really pet topic of mine is slowing down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that one reason why creatives and neurodivergent folks have a hard time in the world of entrepreneurship, specifically in the marketing department, is because all the messaging that we've been exposed to is based on speed and hustling and scale. And like, that is just like not a way for me to live. It just isn't how it works. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, as much as I would like for that to be different sometimes, uh, it's just not. And yes, you have to adjust your, you know, financial projections. If something is going to take six months to start bringing in revenue instead of one month, then you will need to plan accordingly. And, and then it gets into sort of like how capitalism doesn't really allow for that. And that's kind of an issue. But I think that the answer, it's like, even if, even if we try to be like, okay, well, I would prefer for this to take three years, but my client needs it in a month. (laughs) So like, what am I going to do? You know, I think, I think a lot of people can relate to that's an adaptation that I have to make a lot, you know, and it's not easy, but I've, I mean, I've lived my whole life with my weird brain before I even knew that it was a weird brain. I was just kind of figuring it out and, you know, adapting in whatever way. And yes, I have experienced a great deal of burnout in my life, partly because of that. So it's not like you can't do it. And it's not like, you know, I love to say a lot like, you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. But my coach, the coach that we share in our community recently was like, well, sometimes you have to do stuff you don't want to do. And I'm like, man, she's right. She's (laughs) always right. But sometimes you do have to do stuff you don't want to do. But I think that the idea of something taking longer, being fine, just being fine, it's like a dominant, just because it's not the dominant conversation doesn't mean that it's not just as effective. In fact, I would say, you know, my slow marketing style has just been to like, make actual friendships. And I don't mean that like, I would reach out to you and be like, Hey, let's be friends. Because secretly, I want you to refer clients to me. I actually do want to be your friend. And I know that when I have friends, you know, those friends will refer to me and vice versa. But I'm also just happier in my life. I work by myself in a room in North Carolina. Like I don't have coworkers. I don't have you know, water cooler, not that I would want that stuff, but it's just very isolating. So I think as part of my mental health, it helps me to have, you know, regular conversations scheduled with good friends that live, you know, all over. And I think of that as like, sort of a marketing activity. I, I don't really think of it as a marketing activity, but I do think of it as like, I'm out here talking about my work with someone who understands and cares 
It's um, part of the ecosystem. Yeah, it's part of the ecosystem. And it's, I mean, I guess if you were to put it in like layers, like rings, it would be like a very outer general ring, but it does more for me and has, and has the point that I'm making is that the longevity is there with things that aren't like a social media algorithm is going to change. If there's one thing that's always true about it, it's always going to change. But people knowing you and liking you and thinking that you're cool, as long as you continue to be a good person and that person, that's not going to change. Yeah. So I have friendships that I've had for years now that continue to be supportive people in my life, even though, you know, when we met, we were both doing totally different work. Yeah, totally. It also can help with some uh, rejection sensitive dysphoria stuff mm. as well to know that you have solid relationships across your field or with different people because on yeah. the, well, and the examples I'm thinking of for myself, this really has mostly been in, you know, a bad breakup, but when somebody <laughs> is saying shit about you online, it's really nice to know that a lot of people are going to read that and go, uh, no, that doesn't sound like Mattia at all. Like, I, don't mm -hmm. think, I don't think they did that. I'm, I'm really just thinking of one particular example uh, of somebody who who was talking shit about me after we broke up. And I was just like, you know what? I actually am not worried about this because I have such solid relationships. Mm -hmm. And it was so interesting to have that experience because the actual uh, knowing that somebody might say bad things about me had kept me from saying so much. Like I had made myself so much smaller to avoid anyone saying yeah. bad things about me. And then when someone actually did, I was like, you know what? I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll lose one or two very peripheral relationships because of this, but I'm not going to lose any of my core mm -hmm. meaningful people. I know nobody's mm -hmm. going to read this and really think that I did those things. Yes. That brings up a really good point, um, which is that having good friends and having people that you trust in your life, reminding you that you're like good at what you do has been so valuable to me. I had a big shakeup earlier this year in my business. I was working with a client on a retainer basis and she was a pretty big client, pretty big, more pretty well-known, I think. Um, and it, I got to the point over the past several years where that one client was making up like 90% of my revenue, oh, wow. which we all know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it ended not great um and abruptly and i was really like rocked by the whole situation i didn't even really want to do that kind of work anymore which was sort of some somewhat because of that particular relationship but mostly it was just because of the the sphere that that client was in and the the general sort of i don't know i would say b to b like marketing to other marketers or like teaching other people how to start businesses in a very particular way, like from a particular point of view and methodology that I just kind of felt disconnected from. So it wasn't like I wanted to stay. Um, and at the same time, the way that it ended, like had me freaking rocked for months, you know, and my confidence took such a nosedive and my, I definitely have, I don't like to call it imposter syndrome. Cause I feel like some of imposter syndrome is just like another way to make it my own fault. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's just another like thing that I'm, I'm not that you seeing need to fix. correctly yeah. <laughs> or that I need to fix. But, but I also know that like in writers in particular and artists, it's like just a very common 
thing that happens in our brains. Like every writing conference I've been to, every time I've heard an artist talk about it, they, t- they describe it the same exact way as it feels to me. And it can really help to just like keep connections with people who are like, you're so good at what you do. Like, look at all this experience you have. And I mean, I need to eat that stuff up. I, I crave it like a, like a dying daisy. <laughs> but I'm not, I mean, and I'm like, ugh, I just, it was all it takes is just tell me that you liked my writing and I'm good for like weeks. <laughs> but it does, it, it happens too with writers that get a lot of rejections when you submit articles for publication, mostly you get rejected. And um, that fear of rejection has kept me from doing a lot of submissions, which is silly because like, I know that it's going to have to happen. I don't know any writer that I would consider successful that doesn't have just a slew of them. It's just part of it. Um, It's a cruel reality for people who are like, (laughs) can't take it, but I guess we can take it because a lot of people keep doing it. But it's like the actual thing happening is never really as bad as the emotional turmoil that's happening in anticipation of the thing happening. And then two, there's something about knowing that it's like a a milestone. Like somebody saying bad shit about you online is like a rite of passage. So it's like, it had to happen. Now it happened. Totally. (laughs) So that's good. The first time someone messages you about your your product or course or coaching to be like, I thought it would be free. (laughs) Yeah, we all we all have yeah. that that little rate of passage. Um, two things I want to mention. One, if folks listening want to hear more about how to create the relationship and ask for that specific feedback, Andrew Simonet and I talked about that quite a bit in our interview about like how as a writer to like build that specific uh, feedback relationship to make sure you're hearing what you need. So mm. I would definitely go back to that episode. And two, around rejections, this was not my idea, and I don't remember where I heard it. But I had a rejection quota. I think it was in 2021, and it was a hundred, and I in the year, and I split them up into different categories for myself. So I had like poetry rejections, composition rejections. Um, I had like I think I had five or six for like residencies because I I don't apply to that many residencies, but I was like I, I know there are a couple in mind I want to, and every time I got a rejection, I would take I have this um, rainbow pencil that's like four colors. And so you never know how it's going to come out. And so I was crossing off my rejections on my wall with my rainbow pencil Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it completely changed my brain around rejections. It made it a a good thing that I was adding to my list. I did not make it to a hundred, but I did get my first paid poetry publication where they actually paid me (laughs) to publish my poem, which was so great. That's so funny how you can trick your brain like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, not even that hard. Like your brain is yeah. just like, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Even though what you really wanted was to get that of course, one of course. paid gig. <laughs> if you made that the goal, it would have been so much harder and less fun. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it is, I mean, I will say when I've been in the the real slog of applications and grants and and when that was like the main thing I was doing, the rejections mm-hmm. really do start to feel bad. Like, especially if there's Mm. things you've been waiting on and then for some reason, 10 of them come through in like two days, it's just like a slap Mm -hmm. in the face. But for Mm -hmm. me, for whatever reason, having that like rejection quota, I was just like, yeah, I get to check 10 off and that's 10 less rejections I'm going to get later in the year. (laughs) I don't know. There's something about it. And whoever you stole it from. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I don't don't remember because it was a while ago. (laughs) I probably just heard it on a podcast or something or read it in Mm -hmm. a book. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, and to kind of continue the 
Uh, okay. I, I actually want to talk about this from, from both sides. So mm-hmm. both the, a person taking in marketing, because mm-hmm. I have this theory that I'm like, kind of just starting to talk to people about that. I just, I don't think social media marketing is working for most people right now. Like from what I'm hearing, I know it works for some people and there's always people that are doing well, but like on the whole, I feel like the amount of time people are putting in is not working. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like both as a consumer and from what I'm hearing that a lot of the social media marketing we're taking in is just increasingly noise. Um, mm-hmm. And I was going to say annoying, but that's not even true. Like some of it I see and I'm like, oh, wow, that was really well written or like, wow, that's what a cool story, right? Like some of it's cool, but it's like, I'm not, I'm not really absorbing it anymore because there's so much. And maybe mm-hmm. it's just because I'm in this bubble where it's what they're showing yeah. me because they know I'm in the bubble. Um, right? right. So obviously there's that, that bit of echo chamber. Um, but yeah, it's this really interesting moment, I think, where a lot of people, um, were able to start online businesses and do really well in like 2020, 2021, because people had stimulus money and were home and had all this time. And so there are a lot of people who, and I was, I was one of those people who I was, Mm -hmm. that's when I really started coaching and was like, this is what I want to do. And, uh, one of my mentors told me that my coaching business grew faster than almost any she'd seen, um, in terms of what I was doing and like the effort is because I wasn't paying for ads or anything. And, but mm-hmm. it was in that, I was in this particular moment of time mm-hmm. and then what happens, okay, I'm just going to go ahead yep. and say my whole spiel. Then what happens <laughs> is people then say, oh, this is why I was successful. It's because I did blah, blah, blah on Instagram. Right. I'm going to now teach people how to do this on Instagram. And it's like, no, that worked for you four years ago when the algorithm yeah. was that particular way, just because it happened to work for you does not mean this is a sellable method. And then that's when I see people scaling and selling their method. And it doesn't work for fucking anybody because nope. the moment has passed. <laughs> yeah, And I see this over and over and I refuse to become that person. I think that that's just a, a terrible, uh, anyway, I, 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 I really think that that sort of model of like, you make a business that works for you and then you teach other people how to make the business in exactly that way is such a weird thing. Anyway, um, I know I just said a lot. I'm very happy for you to go in any direction, anything that like particularly sparks your interest at the moment. Yeah. Mattia, I'm nodding so hard. Like my head is going to fall off. I feel like one of the things that I experience a lot is I feel like I have to dance around a lot of like ugly truths. And I feel like you just said a lot of what I think is happening. And that's what I saw happen with my big client. She had her business for longer. And so she had built it up, you know, in a, in a moment in time where very few, if any other people were offering what she was offering. A lot of people didn't even really understand what it was. Now here I am trying to be a little bit judicious because I don't want to name names mostly because I don't want to get in trouble, not because I care about (laughs) about like that name in particular, but she had done a lot on her own and she had grown the business. And when I say on her own, she had spent thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on Facebook ads. And she was very good at them. She was a very good copywriter and she was a very good marketer. So she had a skill set and a background that enabled her to enter this online marketplace and like crush it. That was in like maybe 2016, 2017 when she kind of started and she was just poised to have grown so much brand equity that by the time 2020 came around and everyone's at home and they're like, you know what? Like I'm not working. This is my chance to kind of like leave my corporate job or like start my own business or like do that thing I always wanted to do or turn my side hustle into a business, whatever. She was so poised, not only to 
she wasn't starting a business. She was capitalizing on the, she already had a huge audience by then. She already had, you know, brand recognition and a really recognizable like voice and personality. So 2020 came and freaking blew up millions of dollars in 2020. And the thing is that what happened is like the narrative, and, I, and I'm, I'm saying this is my experience that I watched from behind the scenes. And as a copywriter, I have a lot of say in the decisions and strategies, especially like the level that I was working at at the time. I have a lot of input, but I also am like a bit of an order taker. I'm like, we're working on this, please write this copy. So I have a sort of a front row seat without really ever taking the wheel, I guess I would say. Sounds a lot like composing for film, actually. <laughs> yeah, that I don't. I've never done that before, yeah. but I could see how that would how that would track. Um, so the narrative became: see all these things I've been teaching you to do. It works because I just made ten million dollars doing it. So it was like this self fulfilling narrative of like this is how you take a business and scale. And like I know we're on an audio format, but I'm moving my hand up an uphill slope. Like the model of scale is like, it just goes up and up and up and it keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going. When 2020 ended and the slope started coming down a little bit, there was absolute panic um, when really, to me, that was just a course correction. Like that was just, you know, it was boom time and then it kind of exhaled and like settled. And it's, it's so unrealistic to think that you could just keep growing and growing and growing with no dips or pauses or breaks or peaks and valleys, just like a steady uphill ascent. That um, is not organic growth. Like no, organic, it is not. Organic growth of any organism involves various cycles. <laughs> and even if you have a business where you have grown year over year, and even if you have done it through unethical means and you have given Zuckerberg all your money, it's still not possible, I don't think. Like the bubble, I feel like in general is starting to burst. Mm -hmm. um, but it's interesting what you said about people building their business in a particular way that works for them. And that includes all of the existing privileges, support network, yep. experience, you know, everything that made them able to do what they did in the way they did it. And then taking that and turning it into a framework and teaching it to other people. Again, it's a lot like fitness and wellness and this happens. And I, so I am like a, I would say like a wellness expat. Like I, <laughs> I used to for a long time be a personal trainer and then I tried to be a health coach and then I got an eating disorder and it was very messed up. And this is why I'm so obsessed with like culty documentaries about MLMs and like oh my failed God. yoga, gross yoga instructors, because like I've met those people, you know, like yep. I was in that world. I, I don't think I was ever in like the early stages of say Nexium, but I guarantee when I was living in Boston, I must've known people who were like about that or who were like about to get into that kind of thing. Um, so I was just so close to it that when that stuff all started getting like exposed really freaked me out. But I could see very clearly how this translates to not just the wellness industry, but like just marketing in general, marketers who market to other marketers hmm. um, or marketers. And then people who are just like, not necessarily quote unquote marketers, like, like you or your audience or just like someone, like I have a client, she teaches people how to do woodworking. She's looking at those same people though, because that's all there is in her field of vision, right? She's not, she does not have the time or patience or like 
desire to like sift through the intricacies of like ethical marketing. She's just trying to do this webinar so she can launch her woodworking course. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she's just following whatever the first thing is or the biggest name that comes out. And, and, you know, that person has a ton of like success metrics to show off. So it seems legit, but yeah, there's a lot of that, a lot of like in the wellness world, it's like, I struggled with this really debilitating health issue. It's always a really vague issue, like mm-hmm. bloating or <laughs> insomnia or, you know, brain fog, Yeah, which those are all real things, right? but right. they could all be caused by so many different factors. So many. They could even cause each other if you have insomnia. And lion's and you mane have mushrooms yeah. might have fixed that, all of those for you. But... For you. <laughs> and even, so that's like the supplement route. That's a whole other thing. Right. It's like, I did this, 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 and this. Here's my five-step formula. You can do it too. And it never works. Yeah. Because um, bodies are so unique. Just like businesses. Yeah. yeah so i i agree with you i think that the bubble is not so much bursting as like slowly deflating (laughs) it's kind of like watching a very slow house fire oh just collapsing in on itself and it's a bummer to me because i think in my sensitivity, I'm thinking of the people. I'm thinking of the people who paid to take yep. XYZ course. Who paid thousands of dollars and are to they, learn this thing. And you know, then it's how not are they working. doing? And yeah. and I don't want to like make them feel bad for spending that money because that's just a thing. So not so that gets into what you're saying about being on the one end of marketing inside of it, and then being on the other end where you're being the recipient of it. And I think that's a really interesting question. Like I often wonder. If I was just like a quote unquote, like a regular person that didn't have my own business, how would I relate to marketing? It's impossible for me to even really imagine. Um, Because I'm at the point now where if I see the word sponsored, I skip it. Yeah, I don't even know if it's good or not. I just scroll right past. Even I've seen copywriter friends of mine. I'm like, oh, they're doing ads now. That's interesting. Skip. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is, again, like, we probably should not go down this huge rabbit hole, but like, uh, to tie back a couple points from earlier, a place that I really was enjoying, but that wasn't necessarily bringing me clients is TikTok. And I think Mm -hmm. I have like around 6,000 followers on TikTok. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's a, you know, sizable audience, assuming that people actually see your posts, which they don't, right? Because they, they uh, heavily funnel it internally, unless you pay them. TikTok okay. does that. So they, that. they actually don't show your posts to most of your followers most of the time, whatever. Um, but what I was finding was, I so I was enjoying it, wasn't necessarily getting uh, clients from it, which is okay because it, it was letting my brain do a very particular, it was letting me put something out there in a really particular way that now I feel like podcasting, I, I like the longer form better. So I feel like this works better for me. That said, I also just loved TikTok. Mm-hmm. at first like i was enjoying it so much and the algorithm was so perfect for me that i yeah. feel that no other social media had done because when they're trying to sell things to you the algorithm just gets fucked like it, mm-hmm. it goes from being about you to being about how to make you buy and then it triggers my right. pda and all this other stuff and now that tiktok has sponsored posts and a lot of what they're showing me are sponsored posts or people selling on like tiktok shop the algorithm's just is nothing. And like it, it's not, and I tried mm. resetting it. I was like, maybe I, they have like a reset button where you can reset your for you page and kind of, and it it's never gone back to anything even close 
to as enjoyable as it was before it became all about sales. And I know that that's how platforms make money and it's how the system is set up, blah, blah, blah. And it's not about me and my enjoyment, but I will say it's, it's taken me right to the edge of like, this was the last social media platform mm-hmm. that I was actually enjoying mm-hmm. and they ruined it. So like, I might just be, I'm, I'm very close to just being done with social media completely. Mm-hmm. And just being one of those people that's like, I'm not on any social media. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Listen. Okay. I have a question for you. Yeah. But before I ask you the question, I just spent an hour today turning my smartphone into a quote unquote dumb phone. Mm. Um, I went down a whole rabbit hole, but yeah, yeah I think I'm, I think Did I'm you the black and it. white thing too. No, I still like to look at pretty pictures. Yeah, me too. I want, I want to look at the, <laughs> the mountains and the water on my, on my wallpaper, but, but it's, but yeah, well, we could talk about that later, but I, yeah. but I'm on the same, I'm on the same page. I've never really tried on TikTok. I just work on TikTok. I just like to watch TikToks, but that's never, like I told you at the beginning, I, that's a medium where I'm like, oh, hell no, that's not my, and the amount of effort it would take to like write and have like writing be the TikTok is like, that's, I just can write. Yeah. <laughs> my question is when you say that you weren't getting clients, I'm wondering, so all the 6,000 people, they're hanging out on TikTok and that's all they're doing. Like, was there any kind of funnel? Because this is like one of the things that I've been working on is really thinking through like the sequence of like thoughts and events and relationship building, like touchstones and moments that happen when someone first kind of enters my sphere, where is, do I have for them to go that, that they can, that they would want to go? And then where, you know, then what, and then what, and then what? And I mean, that gets into some traditional kind of marketing talk that gives people the heebie-jeebies, but it actually has been really helpful for me because mostly what I want is people to read my writing and enjoy it, you know, and then I just want them to know if they want to work with me, like how to do that. So it's not like a complicated funnel, but that's what I'm wondering is like, that seems like what TikTok would be for is like getting people into the top of the funnel or... I recently heard it described as a spiral, which I enjoy more. <laughs> the labyrinth, the labyrinth yeah. of my creations. <laughs> Just a, a yeah. nice snail shell. <laughs> so I, this is again, the PDA thing. I have been just beyond resistant to the idea of a funnel. Uh-huh. Um, I do have like, for example, on TikTok, I have a link tree link and that is like fairly well organized and I like what's on there. So I do have something and I do have a, um, but even like the, the freebie that I have, which is like a book of like, uh, anxiety and stress reduction tools, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. um, even the way I have that both on my website and, and like on the page for it is that you can just download it. You don't have to give me your email. I don't want your email. If you don't want to give it to me, I don't, I don't mm. want any, I just like, and I, that's the thing, you know, all these, and that's, I know that that's such a foundational thing in a lot of marketing methods is like have a freebie. People give you their email. Well, I actually, I have a, I just have a free email thing right now, but I am getting to the point where I'm like, I probably should do the paid Mm -hmm. email thing and actually get, you know, that. So, and, but they charge you based on how many people are in there. I don't want a huge list full of people who don't want to be there (laughs) if, and then, and then pay for that anyway. So, um, I, I've had a very, very simple, like, Hey, do you want to learn more? Click this thing here. Do you want this thing? And then at the end of that is like, Hey, did you like that? And you didn't sign up for the email list. Here's the link, right? Stuff like that, where it's like, mm-hmm. you can find it. And people do find me. Um, what I have, I, I will say that the thing that I know that's been the most effective for me is guesting on other people's podcasts. 
yeah. like by far where people will like hear me and then they, and I've hired people that way too, where I've heard someone on a podcast and I'm like, oh, this is great. And I go and I, I look them up. Mm-hmm. And what I've found is kind of whatever I have that's findable, if people want to, they will find it from that in particular yeah. versus I feel like on like social media, it has to be this really particular journey you know, that Mm -hmm. step-by-step and I have to kind of walk them through because people won't necessarily see one thing and go, oh, that was cool. And actually have like the desire, I guess, to actually go find a way to contact me Mm -hmm. versus I find that from listening to me for, you know, 45 minutes on somebody else's podcast, they often will. It's a much more intimate way of getting to know somebody without really putting any of your own skin in the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're devoting like 45 <laughs> minutes of your life to listen. Exactly. You're not really, you're not giving an email address. You're not like, and you're not telling an algorithm any, although I guess Spotify or whatever, they have their own algorithms, but not mm-hmm. the same as social media ones. Yeah. So this brings up something interesting too, which is I'm actually like a pretty huge proponent of email marketing. And I am very consent-based in all the ways that I send emails. And I advocate for this with my clients. I've done a lot of like large scale launches and I'm doing some smaller scale launches, which is what I've been moving into lately. And I've been really enjoying it because if you have some sort of course or group program, like you probably have to do a launch, just some, whatever that means. It doesn't have to mean whatever you think it means. (laughs) Um, It can be, but it is for sale for a period of time. (laughs) It is for sale for a period of time. People need a container, you know, like it's not predatory to give people an amount of time in which to make a decision. If you don't give me an amount of time to make a decision, I will not remember to make the decision. And I appreciate knowing. I've actually emailed someone before and been like, how long do I have? (laughs) Because I want this, but not right the second. (laughs) That's a great idea. So, I mean, and, and I will say like on my email list, there's no freebie what the value that you get is being on my email list. It's a pretty fun place to be if that's your kind of thing. So now I have, I have more of a funnel now than I've literally ever had in my life, but it's pretty simple. I have one thing that's like a small paid thing that I sometimes will offer on like podcasts like this, or it just depends on what we're talking about, but it's a, it's a sales page framework. That's sort of like a part like template that you can fill in, but part like teaching you how to speak in quote unquote sales language that doesn't feel gross, that actually also like tells people what they need to know about your thing that you're selling. Um, so that's like a small paid thing. And then from there, yeah, you would end up on my email list, um, but not like secretly, like it's not a secret. It's just, that's what happens. And then from there, you would just be like on my email list. And if I have something going on, I would email you. It's, I don't email people a ton. I should probably be better about that actually. But then I also have my Substack now, which is a pretty recent thing that I started. And then the Substack would also invite people to join my mailing list. So it's like two different things. Like the Substack is just pure newsletter. It's called the Soapbox because that's what it is. It's just me. I mean, I've only published one so far, but (laughs) let's be real. Um, But yeah, it's just me being on my soapbox about various topics. But also, I really wanted to create that to to have a conversation like this, where it's like, here's what to do. Like, it's fun to like point at some weird marketing guru and talk about how weird and shitty they are. But it's not like helpful if you are also in the business of 
being an entrepreneur and you need to sell, you need to find a way to do it a different way. And that guru you're pointing to is not going to tell you. So I wanted to kind of like shift the conversation a little. And then, yeah, that's, that's all it is. And I also have like a small, so like my full service copywriting rates are like not cheap. They're not the kind of thing where if you didn't already know me or have a referral or like already know that you needed, like if you're going to do, I don't know, my, my thing lately is like the five figure launch because I feel like everyone's talking about six figure launches. And I'm like, I don't know. I think a five figure launch is pretty big deal. And you're not going to be successful at it if you're trying to adapt what so-and-so taught you about a six figure launch because they had ads <laughs> and they yeah, paid exactly. a lot of money to a lot of people to do a lot of things that you're probably doing all by yourself. Yeah. Um, so that's a fun sidebar. But yeah, I mean, I have like just an audit thing. It's like 700 bucks instead of like, a $4,000 copy job. So I would just like look at your shit and tell you how to make it better. And that's it. It's not like I don't have like um, click funnels because fuck that guy. Oh my God. But, I'll, but also, <laughs> but also like I don't want to do all that work. You know, yeah. I have ConvertKit and Stripe and that's all. Yeah. That's also what I have. And funnily enough, I'll say this for, for email. Um, I have found email marketing to be the number one best way of selling besides just a really good sales page that's like mm -hmm. well-written and actually says what you wanted to say and is telling the truth. <laughs> like that yeah. sells, that sells yeah. really well. Mm -hmm. But in terms of getting people to like click a link and like actual right. analytics, I have found email to be the best thing mm -hmm. that I have. That said, I have multiple times gone stretches of months without emailing my list at all. Mm -hmm. um, and there are a bunch of reasons for that. Like, I think there are, there, it's, it's usually a different thing. It's not like, it's not like I just have a single, I don't know, uh, resistance that crops up periodically. It's more like, oh, I'm, I'm really putting my focus over here. Or like, yeah. for me, it's part of my sort of bucket of creative energy because I want yeah. to send emails that are fun to read and like enjoyable to receive <laughs> and like, mm -hmm. you know, um, so it's a creative act. And so when a lot of my creativity is going elsewhere, I find that that, you know, kind of falls to the bottom. But I think the reason I wanted to bring that up is that it's part of this like general strategic thinking in your business or in your life in general, like in life design and making your work work for your life that we often don't take the time to do the evaluation and the strategic thinking around what's really working because every yeah. time I sit down with the numbers and actually look at them, I'm like, oh, right. It is worth sending good emails on a somewhat mm -hmm. regular basis. And it doesn't have to be every week, but it, you know, going three months is not great. And like, <laughs> I know mm -hmm. that that's a thing that like makes a big difference in my business. And so anyway, just kind of bringing that up as like, you can, uh, know what you quote should be doing or like what's working for you. Mm -hmm. You can in general have pretty good systems, which I think I do. And you can feel pretty okay about doing the marketing activity and still just not fucking do it. And I just wanted to give myself oh. as an example of that yeah. because thousand percent. You know, <laughs> I feel like I, again, like a lot of the systems or sort of things people are selling or telling you to do, they're making it sound like you're locking yourself, like you're getting married to this thing and to right. leave it as a divorce. And it's not, you can just not 
post on a platform for a while or not email your list for a while, they don't go away. <laughs> They're no. still there. Anyway, I just wanted to put that out there. That's like, it's not like you pick a strategy and then only do that and never do anything else. I still have a lot of flux and experimentation mm -hmm. and, and not doing, you know, what I've said I was going to do sometimes. <laughs> totally. Me too. I mean, I think obviously, okay. So there's a, a company I really like, um, they're called the girlfriend collective. I get all of my leggings and activewear from them. And, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't know why I need that much activewear, but I really have bought so much shit from them. And the reason is because in 2017, I had major surgery. I had an abdominal, this is like a shift in TMI, but I had an abdominal hysterectomy, which means I had an incision straight down my abdomen. Um, and I, contacted them because I had a client who was another athleisure client and it was like a culturally, they were like African prints and stuff in their leggings and it was really fun. But I found girlfriend cause I was like doing market research and I was like, Hey, those leggings look like they would work for me post-surgery. So I messaged them because they were like compressive. And I felt like that was what the like blogs were telling me to wear. I messaged them and asked, and I got a response that said, Hey, we really don't know but I would hate for you to get them and have them not work. So why don't we just send you a free pair? And then, you know, if you like them, you can get more. And if not, then no harm done. And I felt so seen and like loved and taken care of by them. And also they were like the best fucking leggings. They did not work for my surgery, but I'm, I think I might be wearing them right now, <laughs> actually. Um, but, and I, I am not a paid affiliate for Girlfriend Collective, <laughs> but um I just felt like they conducted themselves really well. And the reason I'm telling the story is because they send a lot of emails and e-commerce e is definitely like a different beast than I think what most of us are doing here. So obviously you're not mad if like you have a brand that you really like, you know, they're going to send you a lot of emails and, and I don't think it's the same. It's, it's not as personal as like coaching or like telling you how to live. And so if someone's emailing you all the time and they're like, long emails that are telling you how to live, I, that would be like annoying if, if that wasn't what you wanted. If they're just like, I don't want like any new leggings right now, then I just won't buy any new leggings right now. But my point is they keep the emails consistent and never forget about them. You know, like they do a really good job of staying top of mind without pissing me off. And a big part of that reason it has a lot to do with how they do their marketing, but a big part of that reason is because I want to be on their email list, right? Like there's plenty of emails that I just get and don't read and I'm just too lazy to unsubscribe, but there's other ones that I, I literally, I like actively don't mind. I, and I don't always open them, but I am happy to know, like I'm happy to know that they released a new color, <laughs> you know, and I, and you know, I register, oh, there's a sale right now, just, just in case. And I bring that up because you were saying about being inconsistent <laughs> with the messaging and I am too, I am the worst. And I feel like my list, the people on my email list maybe don't care, although they probably would think of me more and remember me more if I were emailing them more often and more consistently. But the thing about consistency that doesn't get talked about as much because we live in this society where it's all about like making money and like what you can do to get your people on your list to do something. But when you're consistent, you get better at what you're doing and it feels better. So it like when I was like really dedicated to growing my Instagram following and I was like creating posts all the time, 
I felt like because I was like drawing from my creative well a lot, like, yes, I had to be mindful of like depleting my creative energy, but I also feel like it was feeding my creative energy. Like, because I was asking for, I was asking it for things, then it was like producing more things. Like I had way more ideas of stuff to talk about. I felt like I had too many ideas, you know, and like starting the Substack, for example, has been like a really slow start because I haven't known what else to talk about, to be like totally honest. <laughs> I have I have like a list now of ideas I'm working on, but like part of what happens is if you don't consistently do it, then you are not in conversation with your own self. And then that reflects then to the people that are reading it on the other end. When you're like really into it, it's a vibe. But when you're like phoning it in, that's also a vibe. And it is definitely like a little perfectionist to be like, I have never phone it in. Everything has to be 11 out of 10 all the time because I'm a writer and that's what people expect from me. I definitely have that. But, and I also know that like me on a bad day is like not that bad <laughs> compared to maybe some other people. But yeah, I think there's an argument for just like having a practice. I mean, it is, it's like, it's like wellness or like meditating or walking, drinking water. It's like doing it all the time is better than doing it just once. Yeah. And there is this element. Uh, I really liked what you said about it getting almost easier when you're sort of making that creative ask, because that does happen for me. And mm -hmm. I do just want to mention monotropism, which we have a whole episode about prop that actually probably will come out before this one. So mm. um, folks can go back and listen to that. But this, this is part of what happens to me is I will get really into an area and that can be like a way of creating. So like podcasting, for example, I love the podcast. I have probably over a hundred episode ideas at this yeah. point from stuff people have sent me and ideas I have. And it's just like the ideas keep coming. Right. So it's like, I'm in it. I'm doing it a lot. It feels really good and easy. And I like it. And so that's like, my brain is constantly coming up with things that are in that vein. When I was posting on TikTok a lot, I was having a lot more short form ideas. I was having a lot of like, oh, this would be a cute TikTok, right? Because I was putting right. my attention on that. And so my brain was giving me back those kinds of responses. And so I, again, want to address this or say this from kind of both sides, which is if, if you are selling something. Um, and that could include, you could be in, like, there are day jobs that involve selling, right? Like you could be involved in selling and not have your own business too. But, yeah. you know, if you are selling something, there's the, the things that you're asking your brain to do and the kind of intentions that you have, those are the kinds of answers you're getting back, right? So there's kind of this element of like, you have to create the space to be able to have bigger creative ideas. Otherwise your brain will just give you answers to the questions you're asking. And then on the consumer side of things, I think about this a lot because I need to consume things in a particular way. And I don't like filling my brain with nonsense. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't, that I'm not interested in. So like as a consumer, you know, I advocate, uh, unsubscribing, unfollowing, blocking, you know, getting things out of your visual field and out of your brain mm -hmm. that are going to even, even just be very minorly harmful to you, even if it's just a little tiny, tiny barb that like, maybe you wouldn't notice or think anything of, or it's not that bad. It's just like, Oh, I just don't really like the way that they say that, you know, unfollow that person. Or, you know, if you keep seeing, anyway, that, that's, I, I feel very strongly about that as well, because 
even if there are, like you're saying, those, you know, those emails that you don't mind seeing a whole bunch of, um, I, and I think this, yeah, this was you that was talking about like the, um, there's, there's just, there's so much coming at us all the time Oh yeah. that it's like, everything just kind of becomes this, this blob yeah. of noise yeah. anyway. So, so that's, I also feel that really strongly on the consumer side that like, maybe there is a, a thing that you want to address or fix, but that doesn't mean that you need to follow every person who talks about that thing. If you don't like the way that they talk mm. about it, or if it's not resonating with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's so tough because it's just hard to like live in this world right yeah. now. You know, like I, yeah. so I've gone back and forth with deleting all the apps from my phone. And like, I was even, I was down this whole rabbit hole of like literally buying a flip phone. I didn't do it, but I was like looking into, you know, what's that I also like? really looked into that. <laughs> but like, you can't, sometimes you just need your smartphone. Like the, the article I just read, this, this woman was like, well, I got a robot vacuum for Christmas but I couldn't set it up without an app. You need an app. Or, you know, like I go to a lot of concerts, I go to a lot of live shows and that's where my tickets live. That's where my airplane tickets live. Like that's not doom scrolling. That's like, yes, I guess I could like print out a paper ticket, but like that doesn't really make my life better in the way that I'm wanting a flip phone to make my life better. But what's tough is the balancing act between you know, like, I just don't feel good when I look at Instagram. I just even and it's really different. This is something I want somebody to talk about somewhere. And I'm sure they have is like, when I'm on Instagram, accidentally sucked into like watching reels, and I'll pop up the comments to see what people are saying. They're so shitty and mean. But when I'm on TikTok, they're not. They're like, pretty nice and funny. Yeah, Instagram, for some reason has just egregiously bad comments. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely something where I just like feel, and also, I mean, my TikToks are really just like dogs and <laughs> like dogs and people making paintings. Um, some guy who thatches roofs in Scotland, it's not, it's not businessy at all. <laughs> so I guess it's hard to say negative things about that stuff, but yeah. It, it and then, you know, I do do like a good bit of networking through DMs on Instagram and it's hard to not have access to that. Um, I knew you could do it on your laptop and that's like an adjustment I'm willing to make, but it is definitely just this tough balancing act of like reducing the input. I always think of it as just input, just so mm -hmm. much input. I'm listening to an audiobook, and then I'm like looking at social media and then I have emails from a client and then somebody sent me something on Slack and then there's a podcast somebody wanted me to listen to. And there's like, you know, a TV show that I like to watch. And you can just fill your whole world 24-7 with, or even just a book. I still read physical, yeah. actual books, but even that is like just input, input, input. And it's really hard to generate output when all you're doing is input. So it's certainly worth it to reduce the input. And it's like a tough time for us right now because you, when you cut things out completely, there's things that you miss that make it hard. Like make it harder to just like function in the day-to-day -day with other people on this planet right now. It's like you're choosing which type of discomfort you want. You know, do I want the discomfort of like, I guess I'll just never see that message because I'm not on Facebook anymore, which is something I've chosen. And sooner or later, everybody knows. So nobody tries to talk to me on Facebook anymore. So it can be done. I feel like sad for my, my little brain sometimes because I'm like, this world 
that's just not for me or I'm just not <laughs> like, I just want to like live in the woods yeah. and hang out by the stream. <laughs> that That's where my life trajectory is headed eventually. <laughs> that's yeah. the goal. Yeah. Yeah. And then another thing you mentioned um, that I, I just kind of want to highlight is this idea of drawing in the people that you like working with. Mm, uh, yeah. Again, if you find marketing activities that work for you, that align with your values, that feel good enough, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect, but just that it works well enough for you. It absolutely is. Uh, it's, it's a way of putting yourself out there. I think of, I think this is just how I think of it is like, you're putting yourself out there in an authentic way for the purpose of, of showing people who you are, right? Like that's, for yeah. example, why I swear on the podcast, it wasn't a big decision. It was just like, I swear in real life, mm-hmm. if, if that does not work for you and you cannot hear a fuck, uh, don't work with me. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I, I, I will probably swear at some point if we talk to each other for long enough, and if that's a deal breaker, great, yeah. fine. You know, I don't yep. mind. Um, stuff like that. And that's, you know, that's very surface level, but even just, you know, the whole approach I have of, uh, the slowing down, having these, you know, potentially big goals, but really the, this whole idea of like feeling better first and the, the point being to feel good. And the point is not to force your brain yeah. to do things. Like I feel so strongly about that, that it's important for me to say that. Cause if somebody came to me expecting me to like hypnotize them into forcing them to do things. That's just absolutely not the way that I would be willing to work. Even if I thought that that would work long-term, which I don't think it would for anyone, but you know, that's, I I refuse to even try that. Right. So I think it's very important. Um, So it's just, anyway, just another way of thinking about marketing Mm -hmm. stuff that you're putting out there is you're inviting people to get to know you in a way that's useful for both of you, because you don't want someone to hire you. Who's a terrible fit. Right. Right. And that's not fair to them. Yeah. And it won't be fun for you. Um, it's, I think of it like a, a magnet. You know, those magnets that like attract the little teeny tiny fibers, like teeny tiny iron fibers, or then they like push some of them away because it's like the opposite pole. It's like that. It's like you're, you're the magnet. That's not like a super inspired <laughs> analogy, but, but it, it is also, I mean, I think that begs the next question of like, that means you really have to know who your people are. Right. Um, and that's one of like foundational things of marketing that I think um, I see it in my clients. When I do my positioning work, the reluctance that I see, it may not always be articulated in this way, but it's that people don't want to be somebody that they're not, or they don't want to be seen to be acting like somebody that they're not. So <laughs> they don't want to feel like they're, not an integrity, but they also don't want to be seen as like a sellout. Right. Um, and when, you know, I, this, it's surprising maybe how many people don't actually have a lot of clarity on their ideal clients and customers. Um, but it's really not common for people to know their customers as well as they think. And I'm not saying that to like scare or like introduce some kind of like doom, but it's because it's hard. It's because it's hard to articulate. And because a lot of the times when you're starting out on your own, I mean, this is how I started out. When I started writing for money, I literally just did anything for anybody. Yep. I was like, you're going to pay me to write words. Cool. You're going to pay me $200 to write a whole entire website. I'm psyched. Like (laughs) I just did anything for anyone. And eventually, you know, I would find the clients that I have trouble with. This is the kind of things that happened leading up to that. 
the clients that I love, these are the kinds of things that happen. This is the kind of work I'm doing. I have to be interested in it. I can't write copy about recruiting corporate people to work at your corporation. It's just not inspiring to me. And so I'm not going to write good words about it, even though I could probably make piles of fucking money doing some work like that. And I think so. So you sort of just happens organically where like your ideal people and you, you kind of are clicking. You might not be doing that on purpose. So it, it requires some, like you were saying before, like sitting back and doing some of the strategic work for your own business is not something that occurs to a lot of us. It's also not something we have time for a lot of times. Um, but then really analyzing like, okay, who are those people? And there's a way to do it when you're first starting out and you really don't know. You're basically just giving your best guess. And then there's a way to do it when you've been at it for a while and you actually have people you can literally just ask. <laughs> like, hey, what do you like about working with me? Um, when I did this exercise for myself, I found that what my clients said was not what I was saying. Um, because for a while I was like really hopped up on this whole like feminist marketing, like ethical marketing, you know, no bro marketing here kind of thing. And when I asked my clients about it, they all unanimously said, you get my voice, you nail the voice. You're so good at speaking to my customers the way I would. Yeah. And so it's not like I didn't know that I was good at that, but I just wasn't leading with that in my own messaging. Right. And so... I instantly changed my messaging and it it felt so much better to me. So yeah. it's like not only what they what my clients value about me, but what they need to hear if they're considering hiring a copywriter. I don't give a shit that I'm feminist, to be honest. I mean, it's sort of like a sidebar, like that's good. That's nice. You know, yeah. like that's nice that you're not like But it's not what predatory. they're typing in the Google for yeah, or the search bar. No, I mean sometimes people will find me that way. But, you know, mostly when you define yourself that way, you're really defining yourself by what you're not. Mm -hmm. And that makes it kind of hard because that, that could bring in a lot of clients that I don't actually want to work with. Not because they're feminists, but because, I don't know, they're woo-woo wellness people that are selling lion-made mushrooms to vulnerable, <laughs> vulnerable people. You know, yeah, but they call themselves those, a feminist. Those broad terms can mean so many things. So that's yes, where that's another reason I stopped again, using like it. <laughs> be clear who you are, saying mm -hmm. it in a variety of ways that make sense to a variety of people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's I, for example, okay, and I, I do want to start wrapping up for time because I know yeah. we've we've talked for quite a while. Um, but just this is just a thought I've had several times as we've been talking that I have actually really even though I've literally studied hypnosis and the unconscious mind and all this stuff and the body as the source of the unconscious, like that's how I approach it, et cetera. And I work with that. I have really resisted learning any marketing that uses those as tools. Oh, so like NLP, <laughs> all those things, like so many, I, and I know people yeah. who teach that. And mm -hmm. there was like a course I was getting emails for that I ended up unsubscribing from that person's list altogether. Cause I was like, I don't mm -hmm. even, I don't even want to know how to do this. I don't, mm -hmm. I I'm so far from wanting to advertise to people's unconscious mind, even though I know that's what sort of the advertising industry is, mm -hmm. but like, I'm so far from wanting to do that, that I don't even want to know how, because mm -hmm. I don't want to fall back on those things accidentally. I'm just, accidentally, I, I, yeah. I want to be as, I'm going to be the opposite. I want to be as transparent as possible <laughs> as like, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes that means I, I say too many words because I'm like, I could write a whole extra page about this and I really need to get this down to a paragraph. That's yeah. like 
Um, so anyway, I'm just like, I've, and I, I know that there are elements of that that are probably keeping me from selling as well as I could or learning copywriting as well as I could because mm-hmm. I'm like explicitly refusing to do this sort of side of things, but yeah. it's because it just, it's, it does not align with my values and I would feel like shit if I was doing it. So I just, I won't. And yeah. so I'm trying to just like, keep it out of my, <laughs> yeah, like out of my brain. I mean, you touched on, like, you like just opened a crevasse of, <laughs> of things that I have to say <laughs> about that. Um, but yeah, that is something that's really prevalent when I was first starting out as a copywriter. That's the kind of stuff that I learned. Um, and it never felt right to me. There was a long time when it would quite have the language to articulate why, but it's really easy to market without doing that shit. Exactly. I mean, it, it really is. Like I, I, you basically just have to say the truth. You say what the thing is, you say who it's for and why it's good for them. And that's like essentially it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and then yes, you repeat it a few like, times so people yeah. remember and think I about mean, it. There's like writerly flourishes and cool turns of phrases that you can get into. And sometimes you can teach some of that. And sometimes that's why people pay people like me. But, it, you know, when in doubt, just keep it simple. And I think, too, a lot of the complication comes from it, it is helpful to understand a little bit of the psychology of like what is happening in a person's mind when they're sitting at a computer screen, staring at a screen. That's something I talk a lot about when I'm doing copy work. I'm not a designer, but I think a lot about how the words look on the page and how like the human eye is relating to them on a screen and how, you know, when you see like a big block of text, you just are like, nope. Those are kind of basic things, I think. But, but, you know, not everybody knows that. Like it seems obvious when you spend all your time looking at other people's websites but when you don't like there's just why would you know that so it is helpful to like have some grasp on like psychology i see it as a way so you know how to take care of people so that you're not manipulating them you know the the sales marketing pickup artist guys of the world and by the way that is where a lot of traditional bro marketing came from is from yep. pickup artists yeah um like literally that's what they used to do before they were marketers. And then also they translated those techniques into actual marketing strategies, which is so fucking gross and misogynist. Another podcast that's yeah. for another podcast. But, you know, those guys are using it as a, as a tool to like game the system, to like override your decision-making process and make you spend the money without having time to think about it. And it's, like I said, it's pretty easy to it's very overwhelming when you first start learning about all of that stuff you're like oh shit like i don't want to do any of that stuff like that's so gross and i didn't even know like i didn't even know that this came from that and they can paralyze people a lot of people in like what i would say like ethical feminist marketing spaces are so like (sighs) hyped up on like what not to do that they're like more um finger pointy and more like policey than in other spaces where, like I said, all you just have to say, you, as long as you're telling the truth, pretty much you're fine. <laughs> yep. Like that's all it is. <laughs> so it's not that deep. Um, and then when you want to bring in elements of like understanding the human brain, you're just like, okay, I, I know that this is, I know that human brains see a number that ends in seven and think it's less than a number that ends in zero, even if it's only $3 less. Doesn't mean you can never do it doesn't mean you're harming anybody by doing it, but at least, you know, so I think it's just about like empathy, being a kind person, not being an asshole and genuinely believing that the thing that you're selling is going to 
potentially be helpful for the person that you're selling it to and being okay if they're like, yeah, no, thanks. Yeah. I think that's a good, a good summary. <laughs> yeah. Just be honest and don't be a dick. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Where would you like people to find you? I would say two places. If you want to see my sales page framework, you can go there. I think the link in the in the show notes. Should I say it out loud or should you just yeah, so go ahead and say it out loud? Yes. Yeah. So you go to my website, cultofpersonality.co slash podcast. And there's a discount for podcast listeners. It's like thir- I think it's like 40 bucks total discounted from something, whatever two times that is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so good at it. I'm so good at marketing. Um and so there's that. But if you don't want that, then you could just go to my website and join my mailing list cultofpersonality.co not.com awesome yep .co awesome and we will put those links in the show notes um is there anything else that you you're just like i just need people to hear this i would like for people to take a deep breath and don't be scared of marketing but i would also want them to know you have to do it you can't not do it. <laughs> yeah. If you want to, if you want to have a small business. Yeah. You're going to have to do it. Yeah. Yep. That is, that is my experience. Uh, yeah. That when I, when I don't do it, I don't make any money at all. No. Nope. <laughs> right. And then you have to go get a job that's not, that you're not going to like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. This is, um, I have so many thoughts and like ideas and people I want to interview just on the entrepreneurship and business side that I was like, should I make a whole nother podcast? And I was like, no, this is part of, (laughs) this is part of what I'm doing because so many people listening again, like have done, you know, have had their own business or even if it's just a side hustle, Mm -hmm. you know, having like for me, for example, having a part-time job and my own business was much, yeah. much more sustainable than working full-time. Um, yeah. So that's anyway, the thing I've been looking into. Yep. Which is exactly like just a thing I want to put out there is, is that not all or nothing, you know, yeah. you can, you can work part-time and just pro tip, if this is a thing in your area, university admin jobs often have really good uh, benefits at halftime or like less than full-time. That's so it's a hot tip. Yeah. <laughs> I did that. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was recently on Tara McMullen's podcast, What Works, Mm -hmm. and that's what she does. She has like a million offshoots because she like wants to dive deep in like a particular topic. So she'll start like a whole series on this one thing. I feel like she always has like four. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that my brain can sustain that. Uh. (laughs) I appreciate the style of organization that I'm seeing, but I'm like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Nope. (laughs) <laughs> no, not, not at the moment. Yay. Awesome. Thank you. So yeah, we will send people to all of your awesome writing and uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. It's good. Yay. Thanks for being here and taking a moment for yourself. I hope the episode sparks some ideas or possibilities for your own journey. If you're looking for gentle ongoing support, I invite you to join the like your brain community. It's a non-hierarchical and no-pressure space to share our lived experiences together and learn from each other. 
Ask authentic questions, share your own wisdom, and be a part of building a safer space for folks with identities that are often marginalized. And if you're not yet ready to be seen in a group space, we've all been there, you can join the podcast support tier, which has a private podcast feed with some of the learnings from Like Your Brain and additional podcast content. So you can absorb on your own terms and timeline. We're here whenever you're ready. The link is in the show notes or at patreon.com slash Mattia. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash M-A-T-T-I-A. Have a great week.